Amen. Amen. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been having some huge testimonies. I mean, we've been seeing some just healing in bodies. We've been seeing a lot. I'll tell you, we've been seeing a whole lot of favor uh, in the lives of people, uh, new jobs, new just opportunities. There was somebody that comes to a ladies' meeting that had like a $200 thing that was just a, a blessing. Checks in the mail. Uh, uh, Daniel got a, uh, a bonus right when he needed it. He needed something. Just favor coming in. I mean, just all kinds of stuff that God's been pouring out. And that goes back to on the Easter service. You remember I said, we're, we're expecting the power of God to manifest. You know, we're not... We're not just sitting here and talking about the resurrection power of God and not see it manifest. Well, the power of God does not just manifest in new souls. It doesn't just manifest in uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. It manifests in all the goodness of God. The Word says in 1 Peter 2 that if you've tasted of God, you have tasted that He is good right that means and that means everything he says in James 1 like this every good and perfect gift comes from him so if you see something that heaven can call good or perfect it's from him and that's that in you know that includes a lot of stuff you know well when you see those things in your life who gave them to you god and what should that demand from us thankfulness you know praise and so i'm just excited to hear even more about the favor of god that's been poured out now here's the thing that we do have an enemy and what happens when you start seeing the blessings of god or you hear some life-changing revelation or some life-changing word what happens I mean, we were talking about resurrection power inside of each and every believer, inside of each and every Christian on Sunday morning. Do you think the devil, like, he wants people to hear about that? If that's true, which it is, it's in, in the Word, we showed that. If that's true, you think the devil wants you to know about it? Do you think he's going to try and steal that away as soon as it's planted? Or he's going to try and keep it from not being planted? Absolutely. Now, is that something for us to fear? No, it's just something for us to recognize and move forward with. So it's the same thing with this. You know, we've looked in the Word in that series, particularly in the increase series. One of the things that we saw was it was the will of God for increase. Uh, we're to follow the example of Christ. And then in Luke uh, 2, I believe it's 52, it says that, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature or maturity, and he kept increasing in favor with God and man. Now, this was not just something that he was doing as God and God was just blessing him and only blessing him only. This is something that you can choose to apply faith to and follow the example of, of Jesus that also continues to increase. You see that same example in the parable of the talents where the good steward takes the talents and believed God to give the increase, right? You see this all throughout the Word. God wants us to increase. Now, you've seen people take advantage of that, too, where they start getting a hold of some of that, and they start thinking from a corrupted mind instead of a kingdom-minded mind, and all the increase is for them, right? But just because they get that wrong doesn't mean that God still didn't want them to increase. They're just trying to do it the wrong way, in a worldly way instead of a heavenly way. But God still wanted increase to happen. He just wants it to happen the right way. 
Well, it's the same thing with faith projects. What happens is uh, you have God will give you a faith project. And that faith project has a purpose in your life. A lot of times initially it's so that you can put down the things that are attacking you. Right? Get those things at bay. Remember he said things like this. No evil shall befall you. Well, the devil's constantly trying to test that and see if you believe it. Right? And so a faith project is one that will actually say, oh, I'm not going to stand for that. Uh, it can be in many different ways. It can be in your health, in your finances. It can be in your spiritual walk. It can be in so many different ways. But there's constant faith projects that we find ourselves in where the Holy Spirit is prompting us to trust God. Our job is then to win that faith project, not lose them. But the truth is, the church has not been very good at doing that. It's actually been kind of getting its butt kicked a lot in those faith projects. Why? Because they don't know how to win them. They just think that it's a magic pill. I get born again, and then all of a sudden everything's going to work. No, you, your spirit's renewed, but you've got to renew your mind, and you have to put down the flesh. You have to grow studied to show yourself approved learn the things of the spirit learn the ways of the holy spirit know your enemy you know don't be ignorant about the devil's devices you know be aware of his schemes be sober you play a part in this in other words he's done all the work he's paid the tab but you got to learn how to apply that what's in your account in this world you have to learn those things well, this is a part of it. So in review, one of the things that we did is we said this. Have you ever thought, I can't do this anymore? You ever been in the middle of a faith project and you're thinking, I can't do this anymore? It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's a big one. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to fix this. A lot of times, I can't, what that equates out to is, I can't see how this is going to work, so I just give up. And then, you know, eventually, somebody gets to the place where they say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done believing for that. I'm done. And this, is, this can equate to many things. A couple of weeks ago, I, I used uh, Chris as an example, and I, I said, you know, what if he really got on my nerves, which he doesn't. But let's say that he did. You know, he really gets on my nerves. Well, I could be like, you know, talking to my wife. Man, I just can't take Chris anymore. He gets on my nerves so much. I just don't want to forgive him. I'm so tired of having to love on him. He's just always pushing Always wanting something. And so what, what are we doing? I'm done. So see, this doesn't just apply in finances or health or uh, you know, something that's super spiritual. It, this is spiritual. Whether or not I choose to forgive him for getting in my comfort zone. Right? That's Christianity. What we're talking about is some pure Christianity stuff. And whether or not you're living it. I can't do this anymore. You know, we say that to people. How many people? People say that, you know, when they get divorced, that's what they're saying about their spouse. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I can't see how this will work. I'm done. You see, that's the issue. 
They've given up hope on God because they can't see it with their logical mind. And it's the same thing with faith projects is we will give up hope on God because we can't see it with our logical mind. And we're not supposed to be looking with logic and with physical eyes. We're supposed to be looking with spiritual eyes that trust God and his promises. But here's the thing about faith projects. This is the trap that we've talked about, of course, and it's bad to get in this circle and we feel like we go around the same mountain, the same mountain. Here's the thing. Until we learn how to win them, we just repeat them. Because all the devil does is, it's just like this. Use that same example of Chris getting on my nerves. So let's say that, that he does stuff and the devil starts to learn what ticks me off, right? Well, I may kick him out of my life. Well, he's just going to send somebody else that does the same stuff. And he's going to keep sending them and keep sending them and keep sending them until I learn how to break out of that cycle. Until I learn how to put down my flesh and win that faith project dealing with loving on people. That's the faith project. Until I learn how to do it. It's not the people. It's me. We've got to learn how to grow. We've got to learn how to break out of that. And so he'll do it. I know he did it with me. Uh, and we've talked about this in finances. There was finances. I was having trouble, trouble. Every time I'd get to that place, and all of a sudden I'd hit the escape button. I'd hit the easy button, and I'd take the physical, logical way out, and I just kept got, getting deeper and deeper in debt. Just kept getting more and more messed up. Until finally I said, you know what? I don't care if everything in the world bounces. I'm not hitting that physical, logical, going more debt button again. I'm trusting you, God. And that's when it broke. I remember, um, you know, it, it's one of the things that we do is you know, we say, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm done. And then I wrote down, rinse, repeat. Because that's the way life does. It's just going to keep on handing you and dishing out to you the exact same thing. And you're going to repeat that cycle until you learn how to win it. The problem is, while you're giving up on faith and giving up on the promises of God, there's other faith projects in front of you that's waiting for you that will advance the kingdom. While you're giving in to your flesh. So you've got to understand the, the reality of what's going on here. Or else you just keep in that cycle completely giving in to the flesh. And what happens is ultimately you stagnate in your spiritual walk and literally start to go backwards. And then you go, how did I get here? It's because you kept giving in. So this is the, you know, we read this verse. I'm going to go over this just to review real quick again. I, the graphic is updated. It's got everything on there. And by the way, if you want the notes, uh, you can go to boomerangchurch.org slash notes. These are now in there with the graphics, so you can see those. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says, uh, verse 12 says this, that you won't be sluggish, but imitators of those or follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So many times 
we go into a faith project and we're trying to win our faith project and we start with the vision that God's given us for that faith project. We start with that vision. But the problem is we don't employ patience in it. And all of a sudden, we get to the end and we're like, hey, where's it at? God, what are you doing? A lot of times, what really determines whether or not we, we stay in a faith project and win or not is whether or not the calendar pages turn. In other words, in our logical mind, we set a date. Maybe it's at the end of the month. And when the end of the month comes, man, I'm going to be sunk. And the end of the month comes, and what happens? You're sunk. Why? Because you set that time. Your patience ended right there where you set the limit, not God. And so we've applied faith, but we didn't apply patience. And all of a sudden, we don't receive the promises of God because we haven't followed his ways. We haven't done what he actually wanted us to do. So what happens is we're running this race called life, and we're supposed to run this race and run it well. This is on God's timeline here. And so in here, God gives us a vision for a faith project. I want you to believe me for this. I want you to believe me for your healing. I want you to believe me for these finances. I want you to believe me to win souls. I want you to believe me that you can lay hands on people and they will recover from the anointing of Christ that's flowing through you. I want you to believe me that you can love on people and not lash out at them. I want you to believe me that you can grow up in, in uh, your social skills. I want you to believe me that you can start to memorize scripture. It can be a number of things. God gives you vision in your spirit. And at the beginning, man, he shows you a promise. And generally, he's going to equate some scripture to it or a promise to it. You know, we can take finances. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so we'll, we'll know that scripture. And, and it's important to win your faith projects. You need to have a word from the Lord. So there's a whole bunch of the promises that are already in the word. So we need to go back and look at those and find out what he said, not just for you individually, but what has he said to every believer? Find out what belongs to you. Find out who you are in Christ. That'll help you win them uh, a lot more. But then all of a sudden, what happens is this little yellow section here, we get to the place and we like, you know, kind of quit confessing that scripture and we kind of, you know, don't think about his promise anymore. We, we're, you know, maybe we're entangled with the world some and, and some, you know, somebody asks you, hey, what about that thing you were believing for? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh yeah, that thing. But it wasn't fresh on you. It was, you kind of drop the importance of it. And then, sure enough, the flesh comes in, and it starts telling you, man, if this thing doesn't get solved by this date, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. I remember one particular thing. Uh, there was a particular date that things had to happen by, and uh, we were about a month out from that. I can remember the flesh. Flesh of the devil won. And if it's the flesh, it's corrupted by the devil. So, you know, that's, what, that's the original corruption where it came from. So, man, the devil's on me. My flesh is telling me. And at the beginning of the month, it's like, man, you got to do something before the end of the month gets here. You're going to be in trouble. And I, I knew what to do. I was like, mm, I put that down, you know. And, and a week later, it's like, hey, the end of the month is coming. And a week later, it's like, man, you only got two weeks. And then next week, it's this week. You, if you don't do something, you're sunk. And man, the flesh was yelling at me. 
I mean screaming. Every day I'd wake up, my flesh is yelling, you're sunk, you're going to be sunk, you're going to be sunk. And what happens is, all of a sudden we start listening to that, and what we hear is, I can't do this anymore. I can't uphold this. And, and then all of a sudden, we turn our own lack of patience from being our problem to giving it to God. God, I can't do this anymore. Where have you been? Where are you? I'm trusting you. And then we don't win our faith project, and who gets the blame? We give it, try to give it to God. It's not him. But we try to give it to him all the time. See, this is pride working. We don't want to accept the blame. We want to give it on somebody else. It must be God's fault. Well, his will be done. He knew what he was doing. I believed. It was God who held it back. I'm sorry. If God made you a promise, he's not holding back on his promise. The word's very clear about that. He does not withhold any good thing. That's his heart. So if there's something missing, it's not God who's to blame. It's me. It's us. We're the one missing it. So all of a sudden we get to that point and the flesh is yelling at us and, and then we start thinking, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't see the solution. I'm done. You remember he told Abraham this is kind of a, um, a way of God. He said this. He said, everything you can see is yours. In other words, we need to start expanding out from what we can see with our physical eyes. And we need to start seeing in the spiritual eyes what really belongs to us. In other words, like in Ephesians 1, 3 where it says you are blessed this is not something we're waiting on. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We know by Hebrews 11 that the spiritual blessings are what makes man things manifest in the flesh. We know that in Hebrews 11.3. So all of a sudden, we, if we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, with spiritual eyes, I can see that I am weighted down with the blessings of God. The devil's trying to get me to see that I'm not. He's trying to get this flesh to Yell at me. Why? So that I will get off the plan of God. All of a sudden, I get off the plan of God. I've, I've taken a little bit of pressure off my flesh because where my flesh was yelling at me to go one way, I've gone this way. So it's like, whew, and the flesh is, you know, taking a breather. And you kind of feel good in your mind, but in your spirit, something's not right. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, because he loves you, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, good job, way to ditch that faith project. He's not going to lie to you. He's going to say, hey, yeah, you missed it. You were wrong. And that's conviction. And that's not heavy. That's not hard. That's a loving father that says, hey, yeah, you missed it. Why? Because he didn't want you to miss it again. But then all of a sudden, after that conviction, oh, here comes the devil. And he just heaps on condemnation. I mean, he heaps it on. And now you feel bad. Now you feel awful. And he's making it. Oh, yeah. And, and I, we talked about this last week. You know, the devil's playing both sides. He's trying to talk you out of it. And then when you actually uh, exit out of that faith project, now he makes you feel bad for it. 
He's trying to play both, both sides of the ball. And you know what? We, we've let him in the past. We've ate up that kind of, oh, God, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. And that's one of the worst places because if you think that you're bad, then you think you're living in the first place by your own righteousness. It's not your righteousness that brings you the life of God. It's the righteousness of Christ. So he heaps on condemnation. You're, you're now self-righteous. You're thinking it's your own righteousness that does everything, and now you can't do anything. You just, you know, kind of dissolve into that pool of mush over on the side, and everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. You know, <laughs> I'm nothing, I'm fine. You know, no, you're not. You're under condemnation. Probably conviction as well. Conviction's good, it's loving, but the condemnation, it carries a weight to it. And it's, its purpose is to pull you down. But then at some point, most believers, before too long, they find out, wait a minute, hold up, time out. This is not, especially if you're in a church that knows about such things, they're going to tell you, that is not your place to live under condemnation. Jesus says in Romans 8, 1, he said, now there's... Therefore, no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not your place. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts sparking that inside of you, reminding you of it, and you find out that God was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. It's just that you listen to the condemnation over him. But as soon as you start listening to him again, now you can move into the healing, the restoration, the strengthening and guess what? You start building, you start getting built back up. Why? Because you're listening to the voice of life instead of the voice of death and the curse. And all of a sudden now, you're getting built back up into the fullness of the life of God. And you're ready. And you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? Now go win that faith project. Go win that thing. Don't give up this time. You got this. And all of a sudden, he'll re-energize the same Vision puts you right back on the path, redeem the time, and head you down that road. Now, the problem is that we haven't learned this process and this cycle, so a lot of times we've circled that thing, you know, 10, 20, 100 times before we got it. Wasting time. Well, we've got to learn how to come out of that. I said this last week, and I know that a lot of this is review, but... Doesn't it do you? How many people have seen this operating in your life in the last few weeks? Oh <laughs> right? Yeah. How many people have been much more aware of this process? Can you see? It really is every problem and every solution. It plays, this plays out in one way or the other. Now, see, you know. One of the things I read this last week, and I'll read it again because it's worthy of repeating, is one of the worst places you can be is when you are deceived and, or have been thinking that you have a right to what the flesh is promoting. Yes. It's one of the worst places you can be. Or you think you have a right to the things that the flesh has been yelling about. Or you're deceived to it. And we talked about this. Has God asked you to do too much? Because a lot of times, you know, when we get to that place, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm done. A lot of times, we're saying those things to God. 
We're saying those things to our church, to our church family. It's too much. I can't do it anymore. We're saying those things to our responsibilities as a Christian. But the problem is, those are our responsibilities. And when you get up here and, and, and you get into the conviction part, you're going to find out the Holy Spirit thinks that way too. So the question is, you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says God's not going to ask you more than what you're able. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond that, what you're able. So when you say it's too much, I can't do it, you're calling God a liar. You're saying, Lord, I can't handle this. Well, then God's word's not true. If, that's, if what you're saying is true, then you're saying God's word isn't. And there's scripture that says, let every man be a liar. Because God is true. So, one of you is lying. And I just bet it's the one uh, that has corruption, not the one without corruption. I'm just, I'm taking a guess here, making it public so everybody knows. I, that's my guess. I bet it ain't God. I bet it's not. So, if that is true what I'm saying, then when you get to that point and you think, I can't do this anymore, that's a lie. That's untrue. When you get to that point and your, your flesh says, I can't do this anymore, it's too much, that's a lie. Yeah. And this is, you know, deduced from the word. So you've got to understand that, all right, somebody's lying and it isn't God this is a lie, so then that should tell you something. Which way do I need to head? The other way from that thinking. If it, this way is telling me I'm done, I can't do it anymore, I should head the other direction because that way ain't God and this way is. So that should tell me where to go. So has God asked you to do too much or has your hunger for his ways been too short? It's a huge question what we asked last week we talked about Gideon where he's got you know 30,000 men and they're going up against 135,000 God says too many men what <laughs> 30 against 30,000 against 135,000 is too much I'm sorry sounds like too little to me logic screaming that and yet God says too much 20,000 go home he's left with 10,000 God still says too much was God asking too much of Gideon? No, he was showing them how to win. You know what? My, my personal opinion is if he'd have taken the 30, uh, 35,000 or 32,000, I think it was, if he'd have taken that many men out there, he'd have lost, even though it was more than the 300 he ended up with. That's just opinion, but I, I believe it's the case. Why? Because God's word wasn't on that. God's word was on take the 300. And that's where the victory was. We looked at Jesus in the garden and his flesh. His flesh now is yelling what? It's too much. I don't want to do this. And he wrestled with his flesh to the point where he was sweating blood over this issue. Sweating blood. He was right here, but he would not let go of the race. Even if it killed him, he would not let go of the race. 
Now, he died once for all time. So we don't have to go through that same level of stuff like that. But when you start thinking it's too much, we should think back to Jesus who actually hit the end of that and found death before he came back to life. We should see and say, hey, maybe this isn't as deep and you know, of a problem as what I think it is. Think about this. Every one of us have been in those situations where we thought, it's too much, it's too much, right? Every one of us have been there. Now, looking back on it, right now you may have something, but let's take the stuff that we are going through right now and let's put it to the side. Let's think about the stuff that was a year ago when we thought then it was too much. Was it? Well, you're still here. It must not have been. (laughs) You're still here. It must not have been too much. You must have been able to get through it. Right? I mean, and, but what was your flesh saying during that period of time? Oh, my goodness, I think I'm going to die. If I, if I keep down this path, it's just too much. Man, it's yelling, telling you all kinds of lies. All kinds of lies. Same stuff, same pattern every single time. You're still here. It wasn't too much. Matter of fact, most of those things we look back and we go, Golly, that wasn't anywhere close to as big as what I thought it was. Matter of fact, most of the time, you know, in our head, the problem is this high. And when we come out the other side, it was really like the problem was this high. It's kind of like that verse that says, the devil goes around as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, which is whoever will believe that the problem's that big. But if they'll believe, hey, this thing's already sought. Solved. I don't even have to worry about it. I just cast my cares on God and I just stay in faith and patience. I'll come out the other side. All of a sudden, all kinds of problems start solving. This is how it really should be. Let's put up that other, um, the other um, image there. You see on this, this is how it should be. We should never even enter into the cycle. On this picture here, we are running the race. God gives us the vision. Now, this is kind of a picture of a a believer that's had a little bit of maturity because what happens when you're first starting out in this is the flesh, you know, you're going down this uh, road, you're running this race for God, you come up to the place and your flesh starts yelling right away like it's right in your face. That's a brand new believer that's just learning this. Uh, but after a while, what happens is the flesh realizes, you know, you start kicking the flesh's butt a little bit, putting it in its place. All of a sudden, what you start realizing the flesh does and the devil does is that full frontal attack on you is not going to work anymore. I need to ramp up slowly. So yeah, It's the small foxes that ruin the vine. So he won't come straight in your face. You know, it's kind of like this, you know. If I ask you to go and kill somebody, well, you'd be like, no, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. But if the flesh will ask you to uh, watch something you shouldn't and then watch something else you shouldn't and then watch something else you shouldn't and then go do something that you shouldn't, he'll step you up. That's the way the flesh works. That's the way the devil works. And all of a sudden, you're doing things you would have never done before, but you took it one bite at a time, and all of a sudden, you're sunk. Well, that's what he does in this same thing. He tries to ramp up 
so that he'll get up to a peak where he starts yelling at you. It's too much. You can't do it. Uh, you, how are you going to win this? What are you going to do? But if we will recognize that and slam the door on the flesh like it shows in this example, we never enter this cycle. We just keep on running down the road to the next faith project and the next thing that God has for us. But see, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is how it should be. We should recognize the flesh soon as we recognize the flesh, slam the door on it, and then go on to the next one. We should do that time and time again, and here's what would happen. You would start to rise in your faith. You would start to, in other words, you know, just using uh, finances like we did. You know, today you may be believing God for $100, you know, financially. But next, you know, 10 years from now, you may be believing God for 100000 why? Because God's got stuff to do in the kingdom. That's why. It's not just you, you're for, and no more. That's very selfish. If you have the potential to ask God for stuff, well, 10 years from now, then it may be 100 million. That's how he works. He increases. He takes what you have, you give it with faith to God, and he's able to increase it, just like the talents. So he's looking at increasing. What could happen in the kingdom if believers would get a hold of this? And let's jump off of finances because some people get hung up there. What about just healing? You know, at the beginning, you're believing for the common cold to be healed. Well, the next thing, maybe you step on up to broken bones. Maybe uh, now you know how to believe God to see those bones healed and restored. Well, now maybe you step on up and you know how to see cancer lead people because you've experienced it. It's been faith projects. You've grown in this ability. See, these things can ramp up. We need believers that have not stayed stagnant, are not carrying around the same ta uh, talents that they were born with. Ooh. We need believers that have grown in their ability. They're not just walking through this life, letting life happen to them. They're happening to the world. They're happening to it as a real ambassador that God's called them to be. It's a challenging message, I know. You know, here's... Here's one thing that I learned. Uh, we watched, we had a, a pastor friend of ours some years ago, and he introduced us to Keith Moore. If you don't know Keith Moore, he's a great teacher. And uh, he handed us um, a couple of different uh, series, but one of them was called Prosperity Basics. And I was looking at the series. I don't even remember what the other series was, but I knew which one I had the problem in. And uh, I, had, <laughs> I had the problem in the finances because we was broke. We were broke, broke. Our broke was broke. And uh, it, was, it was bad. <laughs> and we needed some help. We just needed to get up to living level, you know. And um, so I started listening to that. And, man, that series, there was five teachings in there, and it just changed us. It just changed us because here's what I found out. He was talking, he was focusing on finances in that. You know, and when we started this church, the number one prayer request was finances. This is why the devil wants to come against you talking about finances because he don't want people getting free. 
That's why he, he, man, he'll put pressure on finances and he'll, he'll have people sitting there going, well, I wish he'd stop talking about money. I wish he'd stop talking about tithes and offerings. God wants you to, he, Jesus talked more about that. Why? Because the heart of God was for people to be out from under the slave driver of finances. He wanted them free. Just like he wants them free in every other area of life. This one just happens to know how to grip us. Man, it does a good job on this corrupted human condition. So anyway, uh, I, find it, I find out that, you know, what he's talking about here, I started realizing I was believing God for finances to begin with, but I found out that my faith was rising in every area. I started finding out that my faith for healing was rising up too. I found out that my faith for uh, restoration, for bringing some restoration to my mind and, and to my heart and, and to my family, my faith started rising for that by listening to this series on prosperity. Why? Because my heart wasn't closed off to it and wasn't in the place of, I wish he'd stop talking about you know prosperity. It got to the place where I, my heart was open to it. Faith rose in every area one of the areas was protection you know that i i didn't really understand at that point how the devil comes against a family and he'll try to start you know planting ideas in your head about what he's going to do to your family and the horrific accidents and and blood and gore and he'll try to plant those ideas in your head so that you'll move over into fear so that you'll open up the door for the thing you fear the most spiritually he tries to do that. Well, one of the things that by listening to this series, I found that I started rising in faith. He's talking about finances, but faith for protection is growing inside of me. Why? Because I found out that God was a provider and that his providing did not just happen in finances. It happened in health. It happened in protection. It happened in restoration. It happened in redemption. This is who God is. He's a life giver. He's a provider in every area. Man, my faith rose up. So what you'll find out is when you start coming out of these cycles and going down the path of God and learning how to grow in those faith projects, you'll find out that the same uh, pattern that breaks you out of that cycle will work in other areas. Today it might be finances. Tomorrow it might be healing. Next day it might be protection or restoration. It doesn't matter. God's the giver. He's the provider. He's the life and life in abundance of it. It's who he is. It's what he wants to be. And so it's just a matter of learning how to break out of that cycle and how it actually should be. You start all of a sudden figuring out, I can do this. All of a sudden you start realizing that there's not a problem that God hasn't solved already. You start realizing that if I face it, it's not more than I can handle and God's always leading me to triumph in Christ and manifesting in me, through me, the great sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I start realizing, hey, if I face a problem, it's there for me to beat it down in Jesus' name. Now all of a sudden I start taking a confidence, not a, not a pride, but a confidence in Christ, a confidence in God in that thing. And let me tell you what that does in you. It raises up a hope. 
Well, God's a God of hope. And it says, remember the very first verse that I read, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, if you don't have hope, faith doesn't have any business being there in the first place. You're not going to win anything. Well, it raises up hope. Now you can see where God's trying to accomplish and win more and more faith projects, more and more faith projects. Well, not only that, but the people around you start seeing the hope rising up in you. What do they start doing? Well, I can hope. I can hope too. I can hope too. I can believe God. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, what will he do for me? Everything he promised me, he promised you. In that word, every promise. If it's in that word and it's for me, it's for you too. All you got to do is just trust him and believe for him. If he'll provide for me, he'll provide for you. If he'll heal me, he'll heal you. If he'll restore me, he'll restore you. If he'll protect me, he'll protect you. If he'll give me everlasting life, he'll give you everlasting life. All of a sudden, hope rises up in a people. Well, this is the plan of God. He tells us that we're supposed to be able to give an account for the hope that is within us. Why would we give an account for that hope? If they weren't asking a question. The thing is, hope preaches. And this is what the church and the world has been missing. You know what? You know why people are so angry and so scared right now? They don't have any hope. It needs a people that knows how to break out of this cycle and move into the increase of God. I told you uh, the story uh, about you know doing push-ups in boot camp and and, you know, if you'd asked me at that time how many push-ups I could do, I might have said 50, maybe 75. But I remember pushing right past. Well, there was one night, and we were in the middle of boot camp, and we were pushing, and I was more uh, scared of that drill instructor than I was my arms giving out, and I just kept pushing, right? I mean, I just kept pushing. Well, I remember blowing past 50, like, well, that came really quick. And, and just, you know, then all of a sudden, he just, he just keeps on. I thank, thank you, Lord, that I'm able to do this into the air now and uh, <laughs> as I do this message. So I'm just pushing, and uh, and... You know, here comes 100, and we blew past 100, and we took some breaks in there. But throughout the period, I lost count after about 250, 300, somewhere around in there. And as far as I know, I think we did somewhere in the range of 500. I mean, after a while, you, you stop counting such things because I mean, you're, like, sweating, you know, a lot. But I'm going to tell you what happened. It blew my mind. Because I'm sitting there thinking I couldn't do more than 100, and I do, you know, close to 500. I didn't know I was capable of such things. That's what makes us go into the cycle. We don't realize what we're capable of, but if we'll just pay attention to the words that God gave us that said, he will not tempt you beyond what you are able. You will not find a temptation that you will not be tempted. God doesn't do it. You will not be tempted beyond what you are able. That means if you find yourself in the situation, it's yours. Victory is already promised to you. I can remember going and, uh, you know, I, I don't remember as a little child, but I, I had an incident when I was really little, uh, something my dad did. I don't know if I had this before then. I remember it being really young. But 
ever from that point, I can remember as soon as I'd get up high, um, man, there'd be butterflies. <laughs> and I'd be nervous. And my knees would get a little weak, you know, every time I'd, I'd get up in a high place, you know. And uh, so here I am in boot camp again. And, and they're showing me I can do a lot more than I thought I could. They're, they're breaking the ceilings off of what my body was capable of. I found out that I could do much, much more. I was not limited the way I thought I was. And we got to go to this repelling tower. And I'm thinking, oh. And I wasn't like deathly afraid of it, but it had my attention. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and they said, let's go to the repelling tower. And I'm like, I know when I get up there, I'm not going to have a choice. You know, this is, you know, Marine Corps boot camp. <laughs> and uh, so I could just see them tying me up, at least in some kind of fashion that looked halfway safe if I gave any resistance and throwing me. And uh, that would be, it would work out somehow. I, I could see that happening. So I was like, well, I got to get up there and listen, you know. And I go up to this repelling tower, and I don't remember how high it was, but to me, it, it might as well have been a thousand feet. And uh, I remember coming up and you had to tie up and then you you know had to hold uh, that and you know uh, recruit right on repel and somebody down there would say blah 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 on belay and uh, I don't even know what a belay is but it meant that they were down there and uh, and so then you'd have to back up to the edge of it and uh, and then this is what you had to do you had to hold on and this is like your break like if you let it out, you go, and if you have it back here close to your back, you stop. So like at this point, you're like, <clears throat> yeah, that thing's eating my backbone, you know, like I am not going anywhere. And I remember backing up, and, and at this point, you had to like go to a 45 and lean back. See, that's hard to even do here. And lean off of the edge of the tower that was at least had to be a thousand feet in the air and uh and, you know and lean back and then you had to lean back to a 90 degree and then you walked down the the tower and uh you know you did that by loosening this and then eventually you you know you saw those guys they'd be like and jump down there and everything and it looked so awesome right uh and i was thinking mm. and i was like walking down like they're like let go of the rope in the back i was like eh. <laughs> no let go of it recruit like you know you're supposed to be out here you know and uh mm -mm. and you step down but i'm here's what happened it was the weirdest thing I got down to the bottom of that, and I must have had a smile on my face that was as big as ear to ear, because my senior drill instructor, you know, I mean, they don't show emotion, but I got down to the bottom of that, and he looked at me, and he said, did you enjoy that right? And he, and he grinned at me, and, I, and so in that moment, I was like, what the heck just happened? He is smiling at me. I don't know what's going on. This is like the twilight zone. But I, I had had fun doing that. He said, you want to go again? And I, and I said, sir, yes, sir. And so I ran back up the tower and I did it again. I'd have gone three or four times if they let me. You know why? Because I found out that I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I, was, I, was, I wanted to do it a lot. 
I still had feelings when I got up there to the edge the second time, trust me. But I, I had experience. I had learned how to come out of that cycle that had held me back. Now I had experience. Well, tur- you know, turn to 1 Samuel 17, 34. This is awesome. Our first scripture at 825. I want you to see something. 1 Samuel 17, 34. Because David, by the time he got out there to Goliath, he hadn't started with Goliath. That was not his first, first faith project. That was, that was not funny. Stop it. <laughs> she was picking on me. First, that was not his first faith project. He says this, verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. Verse 35, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Verse 36, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. In verse 37, And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. You see, when we... Learn how to come out from the grip of fear, the opposite of faith. When we learn how to break out of that cycle, it does something to us. We start learning. I can apply this in other places. I can apply this in future faith projects. All of a sudden, I have built up something inside of me. I've built up an experience. I've built up a hope. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. I noticed this when we came out of that financial faith project. I started learning, you know, the first time when I I was so scared not to solve it in a physical, logical way. But I said, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what bounces. I am not. I'm trusting God. And it worked. (laughs) It worked. I was like, you know, I'm not sure anybody was more shocked than I was. I was like, I was, you know, I didn't know exactly. I I knew it was going to work, you know. But to me, it was still theory because I didn't have people around me that had experience of doing that. I had heard people talk about it, but there was nobody personally around me I had seen do that kind of stuff. And it worked. To me, up till that moment, it had been a theory. Now it was a reality. The next time it came around, I looked back to that situation and said, it worked that time, it'll work this time. And guess what? It did. It did. And the next time, it did. And the next time, it did. You see, a lot of times, I don't... A lot of times, and and you might have heard me say this, I haven't said it a whole lot, but you might have seen this. 
My biggest job as a pastor is to get you to hold on to faith. And here's why. If I can get you to hold on and not give up, I know, you might not, but I know you'll win. And see, the problem is, I know that, so I'm, I'm encouraging you. I'm helping you. And some people, they'll go like, you're stretching me too much. I can't do it. It's too much. And I'm going, God, no. No, it's not. You just don't know it yet. But if you'll hold on with me, I'll stand with you. I'll agree with you. And you will win. Because we're not talking about you know, my character. We're talking about the character of God who promised you such things. We're talking about you might not be faithful. I might not be faithful. But there is one who is faithful. And he will stand with you. And then all of a sudden you get one of those faith projects. They stand long enough and they think they're going to die. And all of a sudden they come through the other side. And all of a sudden, they got a faith project under their belt. They got a trophy of hope. And they hit their next one. They got a trophy. They look back on the shelf. They see the trophy of what God did for them. And it builds up a confidence just like it built up for David. Just like it built up for me. In Romans uh, chapter 5, it says this. Through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand we exult in hope of the glory of God that means we we give exaltation about the hope of the glory of God now why do they do that and not only this but we exalt in tribulation now hold up Brian <laughs> we don't want to exalt in tribulation yes you do yes you do why because you uh, we've already talked about it. If you're facing tribulation, you already know that you have victory. You already know that you have triumph once you start to learn this. Uh, you may have ditched last time, but now you're learning this. Now you can see. You may have ditched and not even know you ditched. You know, that's okay. Man, God will work with you. God will be merciful. You, you may have ditched on the process and got off the line and got in the, you know, the cycle trap. And it may have grabbed you. It may have grabbed you a hundred times before now. I'm telling you, you can come out of it and never go back to it. You can win project after project after faith project after faith project because you simply know some promises of God and how to apply them. We, we exalt in our tribulations. What gives them the right to give exaltation because of their problems? Because they know that those problems have already been solved see most people look at that scripture and they're like mm -mm, I don't want to do that but they don't see the deeper truth that says why are they doing that why are they giving exaltation for this because they already know the thing is solved they already know this is not an issue there's more I could go into that I, that's not the point Knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance. Hey, trust me, this flesh and the problem that it's going to try and bring up to you, it's going to test your perseverance. <laughs> it's going to test how long your patience can go for. It's going to test it. And it will get as loud as it can to try and get you to push the escape button. Get out of here. I'm, I can't take it anymore. It'll get, it'll get loud. 
But if you understand that God's always leading you to triumph in him, all of a sudden you know, I, there, I have no need to push that button. Why would I push that button and waste time going backwards? Why would I push the escape button on the promises of God and waste time? There's no temptation I'm in that I'm not able with God to see victory in. None. He says, tribulation brings about perseverance. Well, what is that? What is that perseverance? I can tell you what it is. It's patience. It's patience. In other words, that tribulation is going to bring about patience. Well, that patience is a key ingredient in receiving the promises of God. So all of a sudden, you can stop looking at perseverance as this big, hard task, and you can start to say, hey, that just means I'm so much closer to the answer, to the solution. Perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Listen to this. Hope does not disappoint now wait a minute now that's like an absolute statement when i put hope in something it's not going to disappoint when you put true godly hope in something it won't disappoint our definition of hope in this world we've talked about that a lot hope in this world is more like luck but true godly hope is is a um, joyful confident expectation on the promises of god but here's what happens when we get to this place where tribulations come up and perseverance comes up what happens we start learning that we don't have to go in this cycle anymore and we get a victory and we break out we go the way it's supposed to go like david did with the lion and the bear and all of a sudden he steps up in front of Goliath and says "Ooh, I know what this tribulation looks like I know how to persevere I know how to have patience I have done it before I have built character of faith in God before and I'll do the same thing again and now I got hope <laughs> Goliath you mine you don't even know you mine but you're mine and you don't have a choice in the matter. You decided to defy God and his children. Problem, you're mine. You don't have a voice in the matter any longer. You can shout all you want to, flesh. World, you can shout all you want to. I have a hope based on character of situations that I have won before. All of a sudden, what happens is every time you come out of a faith project, your perseverance can get stretched further. It's stronger. You've built up that patience muscle. All of a sudden, your character runs deeper, faith in God. And all of a sudden, every time you start looking at things and the hope builds and builds. Have y'all ever seen, have y'all ever heard me preaching and you're like, I don't know why he thinks he is going to win every time especially when you first started coming it's like what who does he think he is you know you ever thought like that and just said just said hey there's something or have you ever thought it like this man i wish i could believe god like that you ever thought something along those lines i wish i could trust god like that 
Well, why do you think that, that I can stand in authority and say that we can trust God and I believe it, it's real to me because I've just gone through the process more than you have. That's all. I've just applied the word of God and I know that it's true. I know that when I face something, it's going down because I wouldn't be there if it wasn't. I know that I've already won. And you can sit there and go, if he's already won, then by golly, I have too. And now you, even if it's your very first time believing God, you can say, I can trust God like that. I can believe your word, Father. I can believe your word. Brian may have missed it before. He's not even perfect, and he's still winning. But I know this, your word is true. And I know you've given me the gift of faith and I know that I can apply it to your word and I can trust you and I'll have the same results that your word says I'll have. But then when you have people around you that are doing the same thing, all of a sudden it builds up this hope. It, it becomes like a corporate hope. A, mo a momentum of hope rises in a people. And all of a sudden you've got a people that the devil has a really hard time whipping. That's what we're to become. That's what we're supposed to be. That's who the ambassadors of God are supposed to be. A light in a dark world. Lord, thank you for giving us hope. When the world looks and they say, I don't have any more hope. It's too much. I'm done. I can't see my way out of this. We can stand up in the midst of that, not knowing the details, and we can proclaim, oh, there's hope. There's hope in God, because your word is true. Let every man be a liar. Let every man's flesh be a liar, but your word is true. And when I apply faith and patience to your word, I receive the promises, just like that scripture says. And so, Lord, let me walk into things now with a different set of eyes. Not an eyes set on the problem, but an eye, eyes that are set on the nature of Christ. On the victory of Christ. Eyes that are set on the heart of God and His love to save us from anything and everything. Lord, let us walk with those eyes. And when we do that, Lord, we know that we will finish and win and be triumphant over that faith project. We will walk into your victory. Not because we've been so great, because you've been so great. And Lord, as we do that every time we do it, it just builds up our trophies for you and gives us more and more experience and more and more character and more and more hope. And we move into bigger and bigger and bigger faith projects. Not for us. We move into those things, Father, for you. Lord, let us grow up to be the people that you've called us to be. And let us not hold back or draw back. Or let us not let anything weigh us down from running the race that you have called us to run. Let us be who you've called us to be. Father, we praise you and we love you and we thank you. We will be 
who we've called us, you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us tonight, and have a good night.